Whether your ideal summer destination is those white sand beaches of Krakoa or the rust red dust storms of Morocco, toss on some flip flops and settle in for Morocco Public Radio, episode 42, day seven, the grand finale of Shark Girl Week 2023, our week long celebration of the X Men and summer break. Today, we are relaxing, we are partying. It is a barbecue on the beach. We have a different guest for each book as we talk about the books that came out the week of June 7, 2023, as we are almost, we're almost there, almost to the fall of X. I'm that nerdy Papa Bear, and this is the guy who finally has to admit it was a good idea to read The Further Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, my one and only Co-Mega Mutant, Keegan. Yo. Yeah. I did, you, did you catch, did you catch how heavy... Uh, the uh, was it X Men twenty three references our girl Rebecca from, yes. and not like just in a broad sense. It's very heavily referencing the shit we read when I forced you to read that ancient book. You know, it's funny because like we did read that, and it was it was like not terrible, but it was you know not my favorite style of comic because I'm not a big exposition heavy person. But then it ended up being way more relevant. Uh, it ended up being so useful. Such useful information. Good call. I know, I know. I, honestly, honestly, it, a lot of it ended up not being intentional. But that's still, I will take all the credit. In this episode, at the beach party, we're going to grill some burgers, we're going to flip some dogs, and we're going to talk about X-Men Before the Fall, Mutants First Strike number one, Bishop War College number five, Immortal X-Men number 12, X-Men 23, and then, and then, we're going around the Marvel Universe with Invincible Iron Man number 7, and if you make me talk about it, Deadpool Batter Blood number 1, by Rob Liefeld. And to talk X-Men 23, we're welcoming back Shay Baring. It has been forever. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you all doing tonight? We are doing good. We're rocking it. I see Keegan did some laundry because we've I been rocking Hawaiians all, all week and he, he had to skip it last night, but rest back up. Man, you should have okay. told me. I would have brought out my florals. Or at no least worries. Because I have a thematic question for you. Uh, we are asking everyone we, that we bring in if they had to go on a summer vacation in Marvel Comics where they'd go. But you know what? Before we get your answer to that, you just went on a really fun real-world vacation. I Tell me did. about Zurich. Tell me about yeah, Zurich with to, a two-year-old. <laughs> yes, I went to... No, she's still one. She turns oh, okay. two in an hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, that big birthday energy. <laughs> yeah, um, it was actually really, really great. Zurich is a beautiful city. We stayed in Old Town, um, and so everything was walkable. It was wonderful. It was so much fun seeing my daughter experience a completely new city. She loved the fountains. There are twelve thousand or twelve hundred fountains at least in Zurich, apparently. Oh, I and she's obsessed with fountains, so that was great for her. And there was the river. We took a day trip out to Rhine Falls, which is the largest waterfall in Europe, apparently. It kind of sucks compared to waterfalls in America, but you know, um, Everything That's some American exceptionalism for you. 
everything's bigger in the States, but it was such a wonderful trip and it was great. It was assuring to go with my daughter and know that we could travel with her. It's different traveling with a kid, but it's still special in a lot of ways. That's awesome. You've only you've shared a couple really great pictures with us, and you've mentioned that it's going to be memories for you and not necessarily memories for her at that yeah. age, but the pictures mean that it will be. Like, she's going to look yeah. back on it forever as this really brave thing. As a parent that had a, a kid that age, a very brave thing you guys did, and I think that's really cool. Oh, we were terrified going into it, and I swear, and my husband and I were both joking. We thought about suggesting we cancel the trip in the lead up to it, just because we were like so freaked out about taking her on a plane. But yeah, she did great. We we're very proud of her. She's amazing. That's so cool. It worked out. So to the Marvel side of it, if instead, if you couldn't go to Zurich, you had to go to a Marvel destination for a summer break, where would it be? Christ, um, <laughs> I guess. Maybe Wakanda, because the less bad things happen there, if they're willing to let me in and, you know, see the culture. It sounds like a really great country. I know I'm very white, but so they might not want me. But, you know, not if a lot of things, bad things seem to happen within the walls. Because I'm thinking if you go to Krakoa, you know, something bad's going to happen. You know, any other place, something bad happens. I guess Savage Land would be my next guess because dinosaurs are cool. That and was my that answer, but I, I, I specified, like, I need, like, Wolverine or something as an escort. We're going this big of a thing. <laughs> there was a really cute Scott, uh, Ed Brubaker comic from X-Men with Scott and Emma on a little voc- vacation to Savage Land, which is really precious, so if I can pretend I'm as good as them at doing things. It's a nice. I have a really vague recollection of that. I'm going to have to go back and read that again for sure. Okay, you guys want to talk X Men 23? Let's talk X Men 23. All right, written by Jerry Dugan, drawn by Joshua Kassara. It opens with Dr. Stasis on the Orcus Forge eating a meal with the clones of his family, as seen way back in issue two. Uh, they die at the conclusion of the meal, and he's interrupted by Mother Righteous, who's disgusted by the spectacle. Dr. Stasis is confused by her apparent appearance, immediately recognizing her as Rebecca, and fully aware she wasn't one of his own creations. Mother Righteous insists she hasn't been Rebecca Essex in many lifetimes, and that just like the other three, she was but one of the four clones the original Essex made before he passed. A sinisterized Rebecca, if you will. He does, however, make it clear that he isn't to clone her or their son ever again, and when he offers an alliance, she rebuffs him. The intro data page is a Cyclops quote. One thing leading the EX-Men has taught me, it's important to have options. A Stark Sentinel rescues firefighters from a collapsing building. Though its goodwill mission goes awry when it detects one of the firefighters as a mutant and attacks. The X-Men show up to stop it. Cyclops puts Firestar in charge and she leads Iceman and Forge in, but they merely make a dent in it. Cyclops calls in Gene, Sink, and Talon, urging Sink to bring Polaris's powers. Forge attempts to hack it and gets flicked away. Cyclops catches the Sentinel's attention as a prime target, and Magic shows up with the backup. Sink is shocked to discover that it has anti-magnetism countermeasures. He gets absolutely crushed and is barely able to absorb Talon's healing factor in time to survive. An infuriated Magic spreads pieces of the Sentinel across the universe. Cyclops asks, uh, how many of these things do you think there are? And Forge is like, you probably don't want to know. I'm going to go visit Tony, find out what patents he's got out there. The trio of Dr. Stasis, Nimrod, and Phalong are hanging out on Randall's Island discussing the victory. And Dr. Stasis reveals that they've somehow compromised magic when she got a cut on her face. At a bare minimum, they can, like, track her via his phone. Uh, And that they wanted to do the same to Jean, but weren't able to. 
But Nimrod insists not to fret. He's going to get her and the other Omegas next. A data page reveals an op-ed Dr. Stasis published in every major newspaper where he attempts to frame Orcus as necessary to protect the world and basically a replacement shield. And then in the epilogue, back on Krakoa, we see Emma Frost giving Kingpin the terms of his Krakoan immunity that he's on a really short leash. And Cyclops shows up at Emma's request and assumes that she's heard about his relationship troubles with Jean. She assures him she hadn't even heard and that she called him to break the news about Miss Marvel dying. Emma critically implies that synergy is coming and uh, apologizes to Scott for his relationship troubles. There isn't enough love in this world. All right, I want to save the Miss Marvel stuff for maybe the end of our conversation because I have a feeling that's going to be pretty pretty negative. Uh, so let's kind of go chronologically and talk about the Mother Righteous being at least partially a Rebecca clone. Uh, and I mean, yeah. oh, I was just going to say, I called it. <laughs> I think it came up in a few forms in a few different places. I remember Joe at one point had mentioned that he thought it. I had actually written it off because it felt like if that was going to be revealed, you know, it would have come up in Sins of Sinister. He, he calls them, she calls them brothers multiple times, which has kind of icky implications now to an extent. So I, I don't know. I'm wondering how recent of a decision it was that she was a Rebecca, I guess, or... I mean, that's a valid thing. It's weird to think about, like, if she's a Rebecca clone slash... OG Essex clone, like, hybrid together, almost. Yeah. It, it, they don't really dig too deep into it, so is it she's half and half? Is she a chimera of the two Essexes? Or is she just a sinisterized Rebecca, like what we saw with the sinister clones in Sins of Sinister? And maybe we'll get that eventually. It just all feels like weird timing to me that we didn't find this out in the timeline or six months ago. But I like it. It, it adds yeah. some intrigue. It's an interesting addition to the lore. I don't think it's necessarily it was necessary we find out during Sins of Sinister just to keep her as an ongoing character, so to speak. But sure. I've I like that away from that she really doesn't like shoes. <laughs> the barefoot thing surprised me. I I'm kind of falling in love with Mother Righteous as a character. Like she's instantly in the top tier of their villains for me so I, I love that she's sticking around right away i've seen some people online that are like why why right after sos are we still having her as a major player but i'm for one down for all the mother righteous we can get right now i'm not sick of her yet yeah i'm in the middle of the road like i like her but i do worry she might get soon to be overexposed so to speak it just depends on how her arc plays out I imagine her story can't overlap with Orcus much, so I'm, it, it would seem that this this will simmer in the background through Fall of X, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe I just want to break from Sinisters. Like, we've had yeah. a lot of Sinisters lately. I mean, I think, you know, also, I mean, the, like, her plot, like, not as in story, but plot as in her plan isn't over, so of course she's still going to be featured. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that there's you know, too much of her yet just because of that. But we'll see how that does play in with Fall of X. I mean, maybe she'll use Fall of X to capitalize on her plan even further. You have been kind of our relationship expert, for what is worth, Shay. So, oh, uh... Wow. <laughs> we talked during the Brood arc, 
I don't remember if we talked late enough that, it, that Scott and Gene had had their fight yet. Were, were you on to chat with us about the actual fight they had? I don't think so. I will say, I am a known Gene Scott hater. I don't like yeah. the shit. I think their breakup is so dumb. Or it's yeah. just like so inorganic that I'm like, oh, come on. I was surprised how quickly it moved that yeah. this issue talked about them not having embraced in a long time and yeah. like it felt like I thought they were gonna it was gonna be a slow brewing like schism where they got more and more angry with each other. Not that yeah. that scene we saw in the brood was apparently yeah. like the breaking point. I feel like it was just bad writing on Duggan's part because he's just like you could have like threaded the seeds. He's been writing this for two years. Like you could yeah. easily thread the seeds of Gene and Scott like having issues because it's very easy to do. You could just say, you know, they got together after their both traumatic deaths and resurrections because they felt like they should. And, you know, they finally had their family together, so they thought they'd do it the whole college try, but, you know, they're different people than they were when they first fell in love. Like, you could easily weave that seed in a way over the course of several issues. Rather Absolutely. Than like, we're arguing over the genocide of the brood, and we're done now. And then, bam, bam, it's over. He's had the book long enough that we're almost yeah. to our third cast for it. We went through yeah. one whole school year and we're about to have a third. So it's, you're right. There's no reason for there not to have been seeds planted. And fighting over the fate of the brood was definitely a jarring fight. And I, I, we at least talked on Discord, you and I, about yeah. that it was an internet, that it was a neat fight in the moment because yeah. both sides had an arguable, like, oh yeah, they have a point they're making that's valid. Yeah. But if anything, that should have been an early breadcrumb to an eventual yeah. split. It doesn't make sense as the split. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I could see it being like the kickoff thing of them reevaluating things, yeah. but not. But apparently, that was it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's it's weird because like, in theory, because everything happened off screen for this issue. It could be the thing that kicks off like a discussion and then a fight and then, you know, all of that. But we don't get that. We just get that they argued about a, uh, the brood and now they are done. And from an abstract perspective, like, if you asked me, would there ever be a high-profile X-Men couple that the entire breakup happened off screen? Like, that just sounds like ridiculous. Like, why would you do that? That's, I mean, they entirely got back together more or less off screen. So. That's true. That's true. But why? Like, these are editorial decisions I don't understand. No, why would you let writing. them? Why yeah. would you let them skip that? Why would you, as the editor, be like, "Oh yeah, no, you can jump straight to them already broken up." There's no narrative oof there. Because you could get good meaty storytelling out of it, like Grant Morrison's new X Men. Like, one of the big plots are is their relationship falling apart, and it happens over several issues. X-Men, especially, like, when it's the adjectiveless book like yeah. this, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a soap opera. And I'm you're never going to put on a soap opera that's going to skip the juicy part. <laughs> exactly. We need them, like, fighting and, like, see, and I don't even like them and I'm mad about this. It's like you and Rogan Gambit. I was just going to say, this is this is paralleling my Rogan Gambit situation where I have to defend. I know Keegan, he, he's just a little guy. He's just a little guy. He's just a little guy. He's a scamp. 
Give me a sandwich here. Say something nice before I have to dive into Miss Marvel. What did you like, Keegan? What did you love about this issue? Um, I liked that I was right about Mother Righteous. Um, and I thought that magic dealing with the Sentinel was really cool. I like yeah. that too. Yeah. That was badass. I, I, I kind of feel like I'm turning into those jerks that complain about The Last Jedi. I'm like, if she can just dimension slice them up, doesn't it really not matter how many of them are? That just seems like a universal. You can just she can, or it well, is it a power so output like, thing? Just would it be like dimension slice them up like one at a time? So if there's like well, there's like if there's like okay. of them and one of her, like yeah, like I think that's part of it. Also, it did look like it took quite a toll on her yeah. to do it. So it's not yeah, I guess I'm not familiar enough with like, her power limitations. I guess I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I I know like her portal count she can do before she gets tired. I guess so. So that's fair. Mm-hmm. That is a totally fair assumption. I guess <laughs> that was, was probably cool, the though. coolest part. Coolest part of the fight scene. Forge attempting to just hack Tony's tech and then get flicked away was probably the funniest. I got a good mm-hmm. chuckle out of him. I like that a lot of things happen in this issue. Like. Mm-hmm. You have everything going on at the beginning with Righteous. You have the team fighting the Sentinel. You find out what's going on with Orcus a little bit. And then you do get the Miss Marvel discussion. It, um, it was incredibly well-paced, absolutely. Because so it like, did all those things, but no, it never felt rushed or uh, truncated. It felt like it, it accomplished all of those things and said what it needed to say about them, too. Well, mm. <laughs> Other than Scott and Jean. Well, no, I actually have some of the issues with the conversation at the end. Oh, oh, yes. Okay, we we can go there. We can finally talk about Scott and, Jean, uh, Scott and Emma's conversation. And if there's anything to say about the Kingpin one, I actually, I, I liked Emma's characterization here. I thought yeah. her kind of putting both Kingpin in her, his place and then kind of dressing Scott down too was, was really enjoyable. I liked but, that up until they started talking about Miss Marvel because it just seemed the way she was telling him was so flippant, which felt a little bit out of character for her. Yeah. Like, I she was a little annoyed at him about being a whore, but, you know, like, I feel like she would have more emotional intelligence in the scene of like, oh, yeah, your childhood friend is dead in a very traumatic way, just so you know. But also well, Scott's it- reaction was just kind of, no. So, <laughs> just so kind of Scott was off putting as hell in that scene. Definitely super off putting. Like, it it didn't hit the emotional points for me. Like, could it should have more weight if, but it would just kind of be like, oh, by the way, Miss Marvel died. Let's fix it. See, I thought all of the like emotion was sucked out by the heavy handed. Well, that changes the calculus, doesn't it? And <laughs> so they they wanted to be cryptic, but not just outright say like. Yeah. This is like we're gonna have to give her an X gene somehow or something like because that's where they're going. This oh, is oh, yeah. exactly what we've been talking about since the Miss Marvel announcement happened. That they're shoehorning away to turn her into her MCU character, mm-hmm. and it's just so disingenuous and forced and charmless I mean, that it just everything about her situation is just bad. She didn't even die in her own book. Yeah. The death is not about her. She dies in John Romita Jr. art. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a shame. 
Well, now, not to double back too hard, but you were talking about Emma and a properly written Emma. The only time she has true empathy is about teenagers, and yeah, like maybe just her teenagers. So maybe maybe yeah. she can be a little more callous because like Kamala wasn't one of hers. But you're right; it doesn't feel right for her to be that flippant about the death of a teenage hero. If it was a former lover of Scott's, I feel like that her reaction here would have made more sense if it was. Yeah, but it was like one of Scott's besties oh as a kid. Like him and they had such a cute like dynamic and friendship going on. Like the scene with the, where the champions were in trouble and he shows up because what's the champion? Oh, my heart. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, she just seemed very flippant, and she does care about the children. I it hadn't jumped out at me because I was too focused on mm-hmm. Scott's dialogue in that scene. But now that you bring it up, definitely should have had more empathy there from Emma. But. Yeah, and Scott just felt weird that whole scene. Yeah. Well, and some of it was the art because it did, it yeah. felt like, uh, what is what is the movie, Keegan, that's always shown on Adult Swim as like an example of really terrible acting and it's like The Room, right? Yeah. That it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it felt like uh, like the guy from uh, just the overdramatic no! Just the art put it over the top for me for sure. A six or a seven out of ten, like it kind of the end kind of knocks it off a little bit just because it annoys me. Also, the Gene and Scott breakup, but like the other parts were really good. It, it was kind of yeah, the number sounds pretty fair because the general fight scene was. I always enjoyed Dugan's fight scenes. Like he gets mm-hmm. kind of sci-fi gimmicky, having the whole team beat each other up far well, and then I really enjoyed the opening. Just and maybe that's the the, the mother righteous fan in me, but seeing her interact with Doctor Stasis was really cool. And then, yeah, a lot of meh to the rest of it, and really, I had major issues with the epilogue. And that might not be Duggan's fault. That might be pure editorial, because it really feels like that's a Disney edict coming down. But I, I definitely, I feel like if you took the Miss Marvel out of the conversation in the epilogue, and, like, you just saw Emma, you know, kind of put Kingpin in his place, and then if she had called Scott there for some other reason, and he showed up, like, hey, baby... And then she was like, you absolute fool, you are a buffoon. Yeah. Like, that would have been great. Yeah. But instead, the Miss Marvel of it all kind of cheapened both of those interactions. Yeah. That's... Which I am grateful for the growth on Emma's part that she's not, like, immediately jumping Scott's bones during the mess of it. And she's like, mm-hmm. you idiot. I'm a little confused on, on the polycule timing because... Yeah. Was it the first Hellfire or the second Hellfire that totally implied that they were still at least, like, they were still heavily flirting and kind of implied they might have still been I think it was the second one, because it was in Immortal where Emma was talking about how Scott doesn't like that she sleeps in her diamond form. And she said that in present tense. So it would have been the the recent one, you're right. So that would have been last year, so it would have been the second gala, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the polycule's been dropped, because even the Wolverine and Jean's Percy is the only one writing that. So Yeah. Well, and even when he writes it, it's super inconsistent because he, he'd written where it was kind of mm-hmm. she had cut, cut Logan off, but then it was yeah. kind of implied that they were still hooking up in a later issue, and so yeah. Well, and I had always kind of read it as um, he was cheating on the polycule with Emma. I, I think that's true. I, I think yeah. it was like ne- not necessarily Jean was in, or it was yeah. never explicitly implied. Yeah, it was not an agreed yeah. upon. Yeah, I don't really know what was going on there. It's been like heavily 
hinted at at least Scott and Emma. It's not shown outright like Dean and Logan, but seen in the first like team of X-Men where Scott dies and there's that really like intimate scene of them in the resurrection room. That's yeah. probably like one of the softest scenes I've seen in comics in a long time. Like, there's no platonic reading of that scene. I'm sorry, there's just no. No, no, I agree. It's always hinted at, but never, never shown. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts on the book, Shay? That you want to throw in before we? Eh, we'll see what happens with Fall of X. <laughs> I, I still say it's Fall of X Ex is where they're headed because it really seems like they're just shattering every relationship they've got. Mm-hmm. Well, Watch thank out, you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for jumping on. I know it was kind of short notice, and uh, this has been a really fun way to get everyone in here. And yeah. we will chat soon, and we'll get you on for a full episode in the next. Well, uh, I just found out today our kit, our twins are coming on the twentieth, so maybe not super soon, but relatively soon. <laughs> we'll yeah, get you we on. got a lot of exciting things going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but thanks again, Shay. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Shay. And to talk about Bishop War College, number five, our honorary third host, everybody's favorite pickhead, the one and only, our broken moderator over on Discord, Owen the Broken Record. I'm back again. I might as well live here at this point. Back again. (laughs) All right. How have you been? It is 4 a.m. your time, and you're still jumping oh. on with us, like always. Appreciate it, it. Three minutes past four in the, in the morning, and I am exhausted. <laughs> but yeah. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> you know what? We get to talk about a very energetic book, so it'll work out. But we do have, we've been asking everybody before we dig into the comic book, a very important question. Mm-hmm. You live in the Marvel Universe, or you're just visiting the Marvel Universe. Summer vacation rolls around. Beach vibes out the ass. Where are you headed? Oh, that's a uh, that's a wonderful question. Um, <laughs> like it, it's it's gonna be basic, but I, I don't think you should be visiting Krakoa. Like it's it's a tropical island. Like that's pretty vacationy. Like, I'm a happily married man. I am like a week and a half away from being a father of three. But if I was single, there's nowhere better to be single and mingle than the Green Lagoon. Just think about the pickups you could get. <laughs> I want to go on vacation to the bar with no name. No, I will not be explaining. <laughs> I like to keep my wallet and my head on my vacation, so there's no way I'm going there. <laughs> you just gotta be a smooth enough talker to make it work. Exactly. Sir, you have filmed over 40 episodes of the show with me. You know I am not a smooth talker. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, like, I can see Owen making it work. I feel like I could make it work. I mean, I chose MCU nowhere, so. Yeah. yeah. You you guys could survive. <laughs> I, I certainly try. 
Bishop, War College number five, written by Jay Hotham, drawn by Sean Damian Hill, opens with Bishop, furious that time has been frozen and then reset again. He finally grabs uh, Tempo by the wrist and insists, you stop it, you stop messing with time. She insists she needs to save some version of her dad, and Bishop asks, "Where? where is this world's Heather? Apparently she's at home sleeping soundly. Bishop implores that they can't stay in this world and insists that they're the ones who are bringing all this conflict. It's because they're here that the world is all topsy-turvy. He finally acquiesces and takes them home. Back on Earth 616, the War College kids are face-to-face -face with the Fenris twins. But with a flash of light, Bishop and Tempo are back. They all brawl with the Fenris tin. <laughs> they all brawl with the Fenris twins tossed in the newly opened pit before wrong slide seals it closed again. Magic and Danny show up to kind of just stroll out with everyone. Like, seriously, I have a real beef with the fact that she teleports in. Is like, anyone need help? Oh, we're too late to help. And then makes them climb back out that fucking cave. Wrong. Uh, Bishop announces he'll give them all their grades tomorrow. Meanwhile, in the pit, the Finnish twins realize that they're trapped with Mr. Sinister, who is pretty pissed at being trapped with a pair of Nazis. Belong and Moira talk about whether they all failed and in a data page, Moira talks about what they found on that mission. Sabertooth is free. The Blight Swirl works, and they now have a mapping of the island's weaknesses. We then cut back to Earth-63 and see their bishop is training with his world's magic, finally accepting that he needs to fight for what he believes in. Our bishop announces to the crew that they all passed, and a data page reveals the actual scores and notes. Uh to be disseminated to all the other war captains. And finally, we see him with the next group of college students, and he invites them to come get some. I have one positive. I might have more than one I have one truly positive. I, I count that as confirmation the armor's on the team this year. So on the data page where they, they give, he gives his scores, he says, and she was skipped twice for the X-Men. And I'll make sure that doesn't happen this time. Which, I guess, canonizes the actual vote. Because we didn't see her nominated in the gallus. I don't know. I don't know how that actually works. It was a meta joke that, totally to me, they wouldn't have let Jay Holtham include if she wasn't making the team this year. So, armor for the X-Men. Woo! I'm happy with that. Justice for armor, finally. Yeah, justice for armor at last. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. My first, my first, my first nitpick. Wouldn't Orcus already know that Sabretooth is free? They were the main villain of the Sabretooth book. Sabretooth and the Exiles was about them fighting an, and taking down, was it, three separate Orcus bases? It makes no sense that they wouldn't already know. Maybe, uh, like, the attacking the Orcus basis sort of happens a little bit later um, than him having like oh, he's, he's escaped but he's not attacked them yet um, like yeah. that's the only thing I can think of on the top of my head I don't know the timing of the Sabres and the Exiles mini I don't remember if it ever explicitly said when it took place in relation to other books so that you might have just headcanoned it to a way that I'm not angry but I mean, uh, I feel like it's it's either that or it's just that or Orcus is 
such a large enough organization that they don't know uh, about Sabretooth and all that yet. That's fair. I could see Moira not knowing. And, like, we don't see the reaction to the email she sends, so it could be the sort of thing where he gets it and he's like, duh, I know, Graydon told me weeks ago, but that right. it's news to Moira. So I guess I can I can allow it. I really enjoyed that even even Sinister hates Nazis. So, yeah. so all of you people who are cool with the... <laughs> well, I'll give you two into it. But the Nazis that you're cool with now make you worse than Sinister. Because even Sinister won't hang out with a Nazi. <laughs> Based Mr. Sinister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Owen? Do I have your permission to make that a shirt? Because <laughs> <laughs> only if you send me one. But absolutely, <laughs> no, it might need to be a shirt. Oh man, the uh, Earth sixty three magic design. Mm-hmm. That gives me feels. There, there, there was activity when I got to that page. That was a <laughs> that was a cool design. <laughs> that was really I like that design a lot. Honestly, I think that was. My favorite part of the entire mini was just all of the different Earth 63 designs that we got to see. Well, <laughs> Earth 63 is a great concept. They had some really cool designs. I hope at some point I get a book that might actually explore those characters. <laughs> I still... I still don't like their version of Beast. I find him scary. <laughs> Would you say that he looks beastly? I, I, I would I would say a lot more than that, Keegan, I'll be honest. <laughs> I will say we got what was supposed to be a scary beast in X Force a couple couple days ago. And I, I I would much rather run into that beast in like an open field that wants to fight me than the beast from sixty three. Sixty three I definitely an intimidating. But you know what? All of the girl, all the women are hotter on Earth 63. Like, Jean looks amazing. Uh, Scott looks pretty badass. Yeah. I genuinely think the only one I have any sort of, um, like, negative problem reaction. with is Beast. That's fair. I, I kind of. And this isn't like a slam on Sean Damian Hill, but I think I would actually like to see more time spent there, and I want to see different artists' interpretations of those character designs. Like, I feel like if we got a, or maybe even just a different colors. Like, I feel like if we got like a flatter color, something something that made it feel more modern, because this felt like, even though it took place on an Earth that had Krakoa, it all felt like it was meant to evoke like the 90s costumes and the more iconic costumes and i think it'd be really interesting to see a more modern style of art cover those same character designs and see what it would look like i think that's a fair point so, but also i just think it'd be cool to spend more time with them you've nitpicked rod but what exactly did you think of this series as a whole i think looking at it broadly now that we've gotten the whole thing and this this mirrors a lot of what i've said as we got it in pieces the ideas that propelled them to create this series, the premises each could have sustained a book that I would enjoy. Like, I feel like a story about a bunch of the younger kids 
getting trapped in the caves underneath Krakoa while trying to stop the uh, Fenris twins from getting into the pit, or Bishop and Tempo getting trapped in Earth-63 and exploring what it means to to find a world with less conflict and like some racial unity that they don't have and have Bishop end up having guilt about feeling he brought conflict to them to an extent. All that totally could have been a series I really enjoyed. By cramming them both into the same book and really kind of spending not enough time with either and not really developing or earning a lot of the plot beats. I You probably haven't had a chance to listen to it yet because I because of the way we're releasing these episodes daily, I think it's the episode that aired yesterday that uh, Keegan and I talked about issue four, but uh, like the reveal that uh, Tempo was like disguising herself as the Heather of that planet felt super unearned because literally the only reference we'd gotten to the Earth 63 Tempo was a single line of, of no, Tempo's a human on our world, and Bishop doing like the rock eyebrow thing, like, huh? <laughs> and then, and then they just moved on from it. So, I don't think I hate this book, but I very much was frustrated every issue in that it, I wanted more, and not in the way of like, oh, that was so good, I wanted more, but like, a, oh God, I wish there was more so that I could actually consume this. I, yeah. feel, I feel like the story just rolls right over you because it moves so quickly to hit, like, prescribed beats. Fair enough. Keegan? I, I, I was honestly kind of in the same position. I was like, I wish they would have picked one or the other of these plot lines to focus on and really made that one thing rather than kind of half and half on each one. So when we talked, was it issue two you and you were on last, or was it issue three? Yeah. It was a while ago. Mm. And you so, were saying it was your favorite at the time. Yes, I, I, I did say that. Um, Where did you land at the end? So, I really, really liked issue one and issue two, and then as I was reading issue three and four, I suddenly stopped sharing my opinions on it, and <laughs> there was a bit of a reason for that, because I suddenly just, like, I found a lot of the issues with it that you've brought up, like, we were three issues in, and I f felt like we'd had no real sort of development for either story. Yeah. Um, and we were halfway through, and I wanted to find out more about Earth 63, and then we weren't on it and anymore. And then I wanted to find out some more about the students and what they're up to. And then that's sorted too. And it's all wrapped up in a neat little bow in a tiny, tiny five-issue story. Yeah. Um, Keegan, you look like you have a... I just, I, I think the way you, uh, the way you explain that is exactly right. Because I felt like 
each time I was starting to get invested in like a scene, we would switch to the other story. Yeah. Well, I kind of feel like issue five took that to the highest extreme mm. of none of the conf- conflicts needed any actual resolution. It was just like, he, you know, we should take, we should just go home. And her kind of just being like, okay, fine, we'll go home. And then they get there and they're like, oh, we should really beat these guys up. And then just, okay, toss them in. All right, they're in the pit now. So, <laughs> like, it just felt like the, the resolution was was rushed even more than the book had been rushed so far. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating it, but that's what it felt like to me was all they needed to do was come up with a, well, we should solve this problem. Okay, let's solve the problem. I think this book would have been exactly the same if Tempo hadn't been in it. Mm-hmm. Tempo, Absolutely. Nothing for the story, which is a shame because I really like Tempo. Yeah. Um, had you been a, a gadget that moved him between both worlds, so you didn't have to have a contrived like motivate motivation for her, have one less exactly. piece of the puzzle, and have it just be like a, oh, he sat on the Gibby widget. Oh, well, we're not in England, so it wouldn't have that ridiculous of a name. But <laughs> wow, <laughs> but but that is a good point because like even even with them like uh, coming back to Earth six one six. It felt way too easy. Like, it's like, oh, are we good? Like, you got everything? All right, let's go. <laughs> and then suddenly they're home. So I, I mean, it was it was said that it was something to do with like that universe's blight will or whatever. But like, it just felt too easy. Like, we just happened to be standing next to the magical MacGuffin that gets us home. Like, I don't know. She just well, needed to believe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't get it, guys. It's just, well, you know, here's the thing. What's to get? <laughs> well, it's true. And that's the problem with all of these. these. The Again, I don't know how caught up you are, Owen, because we literally are dropping seven episodes in a week as the most like self-entitled thing ever. Thinking people are going to listen to them all. But we have been <laughs> talking a ton about how 2023 for us has been like an X-Men dichotomy that you've had the the three main books have all been great because they were since the sinister and like just so much going on and then everything else has felt like filler pretty much including these minis that some of them had really cool premises but they just feel like they're treading water and this is another one this is the first one to finish I think nothing really changed from issue one to issue five like nothing in the grand scheme got 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 progressed by this Nothing's getting progressed over in Captain Britain. Nothing's getting progressed in X-23, which is a flashback, but that's another one of these minis. They just all feel like they are pure water treading. That You know what, though? That's a good point you make, that like nothing really changed from beginning to end. This felt like an episode of a cartoon. Right? Yeah. You know, in 30 minutes, we're done. Problem solved. Nothing has changed. Yeah. Like even the implied arc Bishop would go on where he learned something about being a better teacher. I don't know if this was the intended effect, but him immediately having the next crew, like, all right, come fight me. So that to me implied he learned nothing from the experience, that he still thinks of teaching as just, we all need to slap the shit out of each other. I'm not I- teaching a class, I'm training an army. 
Right. But it, like you said, issue one really felt like it was setting up or, or like it, there, it felt like it had the potential to take us down a path of selling hard his arc and like Bishop learning to be a different type of leader. I guess giving them all A's was somewhat growth. But then he does seem like he's just treating the next crew exactly the same as the way I read it, at least. I don't know. He didn't even give them all A's. Some of them got B's. <laughs> That's true. true. I did think that was funny that in person he tells them all, oh yeah, y'all did great, y'all passed. And he goes back, he's like, they were all great except for that asshole who got a B. Well, well a B is still passing. A like, B is I, definitely still passing, but it's less a enthusiastic. A B is still a great grade. <laughs> Not to Bishop. And I feel like it, a B becomes a passive-aggressive, like, fuck you when it's got zero, like, stakes to it. The grades, he, in person, he tells you, oh, yeah, you did great. I'm going to make sure there's a paper trail saying you're less great than your peers, even though you're never going to see it, just so that I, I can be sure to vent to the other war captains that you're slightly less awesome. <laughs> I mean, you were great. But Armor's great, so she's getting on the X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> and if that doesn't happen, you know what? You know what, Keegan? For the second time in this week, if Armor is somehow not on the X-Men this year, I'm doing the one-chip challenge. Woo! You know what? You can go ahead. I'm not going to double up on that one just because <laughs> I feel like editorial might make a mistake. The Magneto one, that one I feel safer with. This one, I don't know about that. That's fair. I'll be honest, I kind of just also want to do it because I think I can handle it. <laughs> ah, I've been, I've been uh, tried to convince to do it before. I'm not sure. I'm going to tempt the fates. <laughs> but also, I really do genuinely think that was what was implied there. And if it's not, then kudos on Jay Holtham for kind of putting the fire to Marvel on the topic. If they, he snuck that in somehow. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, that would be cool. All right. Unless Keegan has any other final thoughts, I will give you the last word, Owen. Do you have anything else you want to say on War College? Make better minis, please. At Uncanny Sp- Week 2023, subtitle, Make Better Minis, please. please. No, because if I put that in a logo, someone's going to misinterpret it as a MAGA thing, so no. <laughs> That's fair. I'm just saying, me personally, that is my subtitle for Shark Girl Week 2023. Uncanny Spider-Man, that's going to be the one. That's going to be a great mini. God, I hope so. Go get some sleep, my friend. Oh, I will. (laughs) To talk Mortal X-Men 12, we're bringing in a regular over on the Discord, but a first appearance here on the podcast... I want to introduce everybody to Hellfire Trading Company on TikTok, Meg. How's it going? Hi. Hey. We're so excited to finally have you. I feel like I talk to you almost daily through the magic of Discord, but finally. Absolutely. The lifeblood of our Discord server. Oh, thanks. It's because I'm 20 and have nothing better to do. (laughs) (laughs) I remember those days. I say, well. Counting 10 days till I have three kids suddenly. Uh, Tell us about yourself or your X-Men journey. 
Okay. Well, I'm probably like the newest out of all your guests. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure, but I only started collecting physicals in 2021. No, 2022, last year, with um, Hellfire Gala number one. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And I back read, I did New X-Men, and that's my favorite run still. Um, and then I went to Hawkspox, and I've kind of been doing Claremont and like a bunch of other stuff in between. But now I'm all caught up with Kakoa. Oh, that I'm is jumping it. eras. Wow, you're going back and yeah. forth. That's. <laughs> That's a cool way to get the whole breadth of what's going on, though. Yeah, it's kind of like somebody shows up. I'm like, who's this? I need to know everything about them, and then I'll read like all their appearances. That okay, so we're, so if we're coming up on your one-year anniversary of physical issues. How long had you been reading before that? Uh, literally not long. Like a few months okay. before I started. Yeah, That's awesome. <laughs> I, re- I read a few of my dad's back issues that he has because he was a collector in the 90s. So I remember I you saying your no, dad had read. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then did you say something on the Discord about you thought uh, the announcement of them getting the Transformers and G.I. Joe back at Image might bring your dad back into reading? Yeah. Was he a big fan of those two properties? So he currently collects G.I. Joes. He has like two display cases of them, and it's pretty awesome. He's the reason I have my Legends figures, because he's a, he's a Pulse member. <laughs> But, I um, wish my dad was half yeah. as cool as your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll send pics in the Discord, which is why everyone should totally join. Yes. Oh, oh, fitting that ad in early. Best it. guest ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we dive into the book, we are going to ask everybody this. If you were in the Marvel Universe, where would you go for your summer vacation? Oh, boy. That's hard. Why would you do that to me? Um... Well, I ran out of Capri Sun, because so. <laughs> I'm not eating it, so I don't know if that's on the table. But I mean, you can always hmm. go kingpin rules and just marry a mutant. That's so true, but I already have someone in mind, and they're also not a mutant. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're like all about free love, right? <laughs> Emma can hook me up. Yeah, join join a polycule. We know they're down with them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to add myself to the rhombus and make it a pentagon. There you go. So if Krakoa is off the table, did you have a different answer? Or do you, you think you'd still uh, just find a way to get to Krakoa? I don't know. Maybe, maybe like, hmm. Because, like, there's places I want to go in real life that I haven't even been. And I feel like they're cooler in the Marvel Universe. Like That's Paris. That's a good point. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's fair. I mean, if you're getting a free vacation anyways, why not kill two birds with one stone? Go to the Marvel ver- version of... <laughs> So a true. place you already wanted to go. I like yeah, it. I'll... That is a great answer. <laughs> All right. Ready to talk Immortal X-Men? Absolutely. Written by Kieran Gillen, drawn by Lucas Warneck. It opens with a data page of the latest page of the Scrivener story, Scripting Colossus's life, as he schemes with Shaw. At the Quiet Council meeting, Shaw calls for a closed session where he moves to fill Mr. Sinister's vacant seat, presumably from the list of motions Mother Righteous gave him uh, towards the end of last issue. To Kate's surprise, Colossus agrees, and because he is Storm's proxy and she is Nightcrawler's proxy, he has three votes. Shaw nominates Selene, who was last seen in issue two where, you know, she was killed. Turns out there's more than one path to resurrection. Destiny stops them short of a vote and accuses Shaw of working for Orcus. Rasputin 4 is able to scan his mind to verify that he's not, which confuses Destiny and leads to Peter also moving to permanently move Kurt's proxy vote from Storm to him. 
Kate is appalled at him selling out the council for an extra vote, and he in turn accuses her of being closer to Emma than him now and losing her moral compass along the way. Finally, he moves to have the full details of the sinister timeline released to the general public. Meanwhile, the four council and sin members are waiting with hope uh, and patiently deciding to take a peek at what's happening psychically. She runs out of the room but is met by Rasputin who guards the chamber and we see she's under Mother Righteous's influence and they start to fight. Emma decides it isn't breaking the rules to read Hope's mind uh, and tries to discover what she's learned and is horrified. Uh, she announces she'll put Colossus to sleep but Xavier stops her and at the last second, Hope calls out to Exodus for help, and he scrambles for a plan and decides to bring Storm home. Colossus apparently plays into the Chronicler's weaknesses and buys a few moments with drama. He tells Kate, Kitty would understand, do you? Storm arrives and shuts the vote down for now. Mystique confronts Destiny, who sees Mystique killing her in the future. Mystique plays the tape of Destiny's memo from the Sinister Timeline that Mother Righteous left her, and Destiny is shocked by the words of her future self. They embrace, with Mystique assuring her that she'd never kill her until another righteous influences her to go ahead and do it. Mystique stabs her through the heart before screaming in horror while she cradles Destiny's body. Upon resurrection, uh, Shaw appears in Arbor Magna to point out, now you're uh, compromised too, Destiny, and also should lose her vote per the new precedent. This leads back to another Quiet Council meeting where this time the vote to make the public to make public the Sins of Sinister timeline wins by a vote of four for it, three against, and five forced to abstain. Storm asks Peter why, and Colossus tries his hardest to hint at his sad fate, telling her he isn't her pawn with heaving emphasis on the word your. It seems she doesn't catch on. Starting off, I'm really glad Selena's back. I'm not a fan of who she's with, but I'm really, really glad she's back. I missed her a lot. Uh, I mean, it my was a total eye drop. I, I was shocked. I was shocked they brought her back. I wasn't expecting it. I know they kind of spoiled it with the preview page. We found out a couple days ahead, but I love I it. I missed her. I missed her so it. much. She's such an agent of chaos on Krakoa, and we need more of that. I'm glad she's on the council, too, that, that her pitch went through. I'm just not a fan of where it's going. <laughs> um, I, have, I have so many feelings. I'm also still very anti-Shaw on the council, only because of what happened in Marauders. I feel like Lourdes should have gotten his seat. If yeah. she got all his power. They they dropped the ball there. I but, feel like um, that's been completely... Yeah. That was an abandoned plot for sure, wasn't it? Like, 100%. Because now he's calling Celine my queen. Which is totally could be like an old days thing. But, uh... It, it no, is. you're right. There was a definite ball drop there. Speaking uh, of ball drops, an in-universe ball drop. Why did Kurt not leave his phone number with somebody? I feel like... <laughs> then being able to just vote around his proxy vote and no one bothers to be like, I'm going to give him a ring and let him know. Well, yeah, I, I, I choose to believe it is like Kurt pulled a Luke Skywalker and has like cut himself off from, you know, the telekinetic X-Force kind of thing. Uh, not sure. the organization X-Force, but my combination of the Force and X-Men. Uh, and so like he just can't be reached because he's like, mm, nah. <laughs> I could see that. I'm sure that's it. I just feel yeah. like I would have at least left like a burner number with one person. Just like, if you really need me, guys, call me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe the person you like gave your vote to, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would make a lot of sense. That would make sense. <laughs> you know what, though? That would eliminate the drama. And what is X-Men without drama? So. Very true. 
I'm also absolutely devastated that they decided to have that Mystique and Destiny moment in June. Like, they couldn't wait till next next month. Right? During <laughs> yeah. Pride Month? Painful. I oh. like to think that it's abstracted enough when Kieran Gillen sits down to write the issue like, for the artist to get in time. He's probably writing it in, like, March. Doesn't really even put together in his head oh, totally. as putting the scene totally. together that it's coming out in June. But I get Absolutely. Your, I, absolutely. That was emotionally damaging but man, i i thought the scene was ending with the hug i wasn't expecting the immediate stab too it was a it was a gut punch for me yeah she really only got control of her for that brief moment because she snapped right out of it even and as she's stabbing her she looks like appalled it's an interesting portrayal of mother righteous's control of people because it seems like she has put a lot of effort to exert her influence we saw for so long her kind of collecting her influence through all the thank yous. But I think these are the, this issue had the, the two really good examples of her actually using that influence. And it seems like it, it, it takes a lot of exertion and a lot of, a lot of control. And um, the Indicens of Sinister, she had made the comment to Vox Ignis. I was going to say the, the good <laughs> ghost writer, but yeah, Vox Ignis, <laughs> that she had a lot of control over him because she had many thank yous from him him so I, I think we're starting to see more limits on her power that when she's only received a few thank yous apparently it takes a lot more effort for her and like you said meg a very short window of control that it was like a mere moment it was enough time for her to do the stabbing and then you could see it was immediate regret and horror also, a lot of emotion door of total fear for me because at the end of dominion storm thanked her on behalf of all mutants so what does that mean in the context of her powers? Does that mean just Storm because Storm's the one who said it? Or like, does that behalf count? Like, yikes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good good point. Does I feel does like it does deep can deep the deep person deep. only control their own thank you? And I right. I think that's an interesting concept to explore, and I think you might be right. I if they're leaning into like the very fey. Uh, origin of that kind of power I think the behalf absolutely counts. Well, and especially because Storm was in a position to have that authority. Like, right. I right. couldn't just say like, oh, thanks on Keegan's behalf and Keegan has to accept it, but the people of Krakoa have given Storm that authority in a sense, so I could totally see her having the power to think on their behalf. Yeah, frightening, to say the least. Alright, alright, alright. I, I have to get into the Percy of it, and I'm going to do it in as nice and as nicely of a way as I can ask it, without pointing a finger at the guy. But so X Force Forty, which just came out, really heavily implied Colossus is completely unaware he's under control because he, when they go to the far future, he's he's disoriented because he's got control of his own motives, but he doesn't really understand why. He doesn't understand what's different, what's wrong. But this seems to imply that he's is aware because of his emphasis on like his efforts to subtly resist or is the main theme of this issue. And those don't necessarily have to contradict each other. Like I, I could think of a few ways that those things could coexist that in it, well, he's influenced, he knows and he loses that knowledge when he no longer is influenced, maybe, or maybe the chronicler is writing his resistance here like it's another instance of the chronicler pushing back on mikhail maybe I, I i don't know but the fact that those came out two weeks apart and so directly contradicted each other 
has me very confused. Mm -hmm. I'm also wondering if maybe this is like a time where Pyotr disagrees so strongly with what he's being chosen to do that he's he becomes aware in like a way. It's, like it's like a, he's like, wait, uh, yeah. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's again, it's how much willpower he's pushing back with. Yeah. That would be cool. Because it, it could yeah. have been a whole, like, kind of in a haze thing. And then now he's like, oh, I don't want this at all. Like, I want the opposite of this so hard. It, I mean, it could definitely, it could be that. And that could be kind of a parallel with Mother Righteous's powers, right? It has to do with how strong-willed the target is and how against their natural choice would be as well. Yeah. It makes me a little bummed to think that that story's not gonna play out under Kieran Dillon's hands because this is the most interesting Colossus's uh plot has been it's been in this issue right here this was this was great I loved watching him resist it and things but I have a feeling because we're jumping with a, each issue focuses on a different character that it's not gonna play out here and it's not gonna play out in Immortal it's gonna play out over in X-Force which is a little disappointing not next week. Next month is Doug, right? Yeah, yes. uh, it's it's Doug and then Krakoa itself, right? Or is it the other way around? I no, I, I think wait. thirteen is Doug and fourteen is Krakoa itself. I'm pretty sure. And then I can't wait for a couple weeks. We're gonna find out where they go with fifteen because we're gonna have to come up with a different. Well, maybe Celine since she's now a new addition. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, the, you know, honestly, we might get a just entire season two at some point with like a new council or something we figure it's either the the makeup of the council is probably going to shift very quickly in the near yeah. future between the threads of all the different books we're talking this week there are a lot of dominoes that could fall very quickly to end current makeup of the council i'm really rooting for a Celine issue and maybe a, a rossi k4 issue because it seems to be like she's their uh their century out there I would love a Rasputin yeah. for uh, issue because I love I love her so much already. <laughs> I felt so bad that she's already under Mother Righteous. Like she just gets out from under Sinister's thumb and she's immediately she no under joy. Mother Righteous's thumb. Yeah. So, Not a single win. It needs a happy ending. We need a happy Rasputin for like ending whenever this Mother Righteous her. plot ends. <laughs> Let her live out her life as a true member yeah. of the mutants in this time period and also the art this issue it just was amazing warnick always, always warnick carries it. he is so good in everything he draws i can't believe the stuff he pulls off it's it's amazing uh exodus is quick thinking kind of redeems him a little i know it didn't end up making a difference but he solved the problem that emma and hope and no one else was able to, he had just um, brainstorm in with such a quick response there. I loved it. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. that was, that was a really clutch move. And hopefully we'll have Hope back off a little now. Maybe she really does forgive him a little. because Hopefully. <laughs> I was going to make the same comment. <laughs> <laughs> I was also like... I, 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 I think it's sad that as the only dad in the room, I'm the only one that didn't come up with that joke. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. You've been outdated. <laughs> Outfathered. Uh, <laughs> I do love also just the, the continuous references to like, uh, he is in a Russian novel, so he can feel no joy. Like, I just, I thought oh. that was just really clever throughout. It was great. 
uh, Kate, I thought that this did a really good job of not just portraying her as desperate, but kind of a boiling desperation as it was becoming more clear to her that she was literally the only hero left with the boat, that uh, it was her against the world, and then eventually Storm comes back, so you, but she was the only heroic character with a vote, and I, both the way Gillen wrote her dialogue, but Wernick, Wernick drew the desperation on her face so well that it was just. Great. I I commend her for the self control when Piotr said <laughs> Kitty would have understood. Do you? Because oh. yeah, man. <laughs> for all the all the other feuds that went to blows in this issue, it was surprising that didn't come to blows that she didn't just strike him down there. Also, yeah, you're totally right, because even the art in that panel, when he says, do you, and you can just see it on her, it's almost like, just like, exasperation, like, I, what do I do? What, what now? Yeah. <sighs> I don't like where this is going. I'm, I mean, I love it, but I don't. <laughs> right, it's like, the drama hurts, but it hurts so good. <laughs> it hurts so good, it's too well done to be mad at. I think what makes it hurt is that we're heading into a story called Follow Back. So, like, you know the happy ending isn't anytime soon. That we're going to have to make it through that much more trauma. That we haven't actually started the trauma yet. We're still in the before the fall era. So, like, this is all boil building to the real sadness. So, the fact that we're already feeling all this pain is, is a little scary. <laughs> yeah. It's now, just, like, prep. Yeah, it's, it's preparing. What uh, what do you guys think on this uh, this plan, right? This releasing the Sins of Sinister timeline to the public. I think it's really dumb, even in universe. I don't. I do think it's kind of stupid, but I'm I trust him, so I'm willing to see where he goes with this. But I just I don't think it makes sense for them. To it doesn't do. make it doesn't make sense for to me how that that is either Mother Righteous's goal or Mikhail's goal. Like, that feels like an Orcus role. Like, I could see how Orcus could be influencing, hey, we should reveal that they fucked up another future. That makes sense to me, but I do agree, and I assume we're gonna get that motivation at some point, but... Well, did Mother Righteous not just take a controlling interest in Orcus? That's why I'm wondering, did it happen before or after? That's true. That's true. All like, of these issues week. this week are... Are, yeah. are all kind of they, they don't have clear indications what order they're taking place so it, it could be that she's already in control of orcas but we still don't know her motive for that either that, right but we I mean, don't know a lot of things about her to be fair <laughs> yeah that's true that but it true. being a more orcas sounding plot that You're doesn't right. make it uh you know not a mother righteous thing to me uh, I do think it's interesting, though, because it does feel like an Orcus plot, but I can see the in-universe, like, it's the right thing to do explanation as well. Because it's like, yeah, we have to be responsible and own up to the mistakes that we made, even though they didn't stay, you know, hiding it is not the right thing to do. I can understand that logic. I can see that. I do think it kind of stretches incredulity that I think I I'm hoping that the storm walking away as if she didn't catch on in the fake out and that storm did catch the message Peter was trying to send because 
You'd think she'd so see she, she'd see that there was no way that he would really think that's the right move. Like she has to see through it, right? Because yeah. he doesn't really have an argument for it beyond it's the right thing to do. It'll fuck over every mutant alive. That that's not a Colossus style move. So hopefully the combination of the ridiculousness of his plan paired with that comment, Storm did catch on. She has kind of been the the main character of a lot lately, so I don't know that that's yeah. the route this story is going, is having her be the one to resolve yeah. his story. It could also be them stressing how, like, spread thin she is, that she can't even realize that Piotr is going through the... Like, she's just like, well, that's what he wants. I don't, oh, I don't know how he got here, but... Which would be and unfortunate. It, it, it makes it especially sad when happening. he... When he just called her out on it last issue, too. Like, exactly. He called her out on, hey, you spread yourself too thin, yeah. We we might even get an answer about it this upcoming week, though. That's true, because we have read this week. We have read this week. So it obviously won't be the focus of the whole issue, what with the white sword and iron fire and all that, but we might get something. I do feel like since, since the Sinister ended, they've been, I know it's only been... One, one issue of Red and two issues of Mortal, but it feels like they're all more tightly knit. Like I, I don't know if that's just to bridge us to, to fall or not, but I'm enjoying that aspect, that they don't seem like separate narratives at this point. It seems like Al and Kieran are writing one larger narrative. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's it's awesome <laughs> yeah, to I'm see that level it. of collaboration. It's making up for all those terrible minis that have not been... <laughs> doing it at all for me but the main story is great and that's what's most important very true all right meg this has been so great and we have to get you in for a full episode but before we go do you have any final thoughts on the issue and then do you want to plug your socials one last time sure um i'm overall just glad selene is back that that's my biggest joy because that is a fair there is pilot. little joy in this issue. So I'm um, glad Selene is back. Hoping Storm figures things out or somebody figures things out. But it would be good to have Storm do it because she needs a win in the observance department. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> rooting for her. Um, but yeah, uh, you gave my TikTok Hellfire Trading Company. My Twitter is Hellfire Trading Co. But there's no vowels in trading. So it's T-R-D-N-G um, and then just co. Um, it'll be me. in the show notes if you can't if you can't like make that that happen it'll be in the show notes you can just click it but cool beans thank you guys for having me thank you for coming on thank you for being here i'm i loved it we're gonna have you back soon i promise awesome i can't wait to come back and to talk x-men before the fall mutants first strike number one we're gonna welcome back Joe of X, now also a dad of X. Your daughter is less than a week old, right? Fresh out the fresh. Freshly, uh, freshly fresh minted. Uh, daughter of X uh, is here and uh, making sure that I am fucking loony and without sleep. But I love her to death. Um, we have Owen we had on at 3 in the morning, and you are only about 10 o'clock your time, but I yeah. still think you may win the record for most exhausted as I, I have not shaved it in a while. Uh, <laughs> the grays are coming in, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, this is, this is how we're going to do. Uh, this is the next few years of my life. And... <laughs> I was going to ask, how have you been? But that probably summarizes it. So I'm going to hit you with the one question we're asking everyone. If 
you had a summer vacation anywhere in the Marvel Universe, where would Joe and Baby of X be vacationing? Oh, that's a different question. If I have to bring my daughter, <laughs> it's 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 a very different because if it's just me, I'm going whoring in Madripoor, right? <laughs> like, right? Like I'm cutting a dude. I'm doing all sorts of shit uh, in magic drugs I've never even heard of. You're you know, telling like, me you're not going to take your precious week-old infant to Madripoor with you? Only if I want to sell her. <laughs> like, like if I got some, if I need to pay some bills, like, all right. No, I'll take the baby to Wakanda, right? Wakanda would be probably... That's been a very common place. answer. I, yeah, like... Safety and... <laughs> right, right. It's the least place you're likely to get blown up. <laughs> Wakanda. See, I want it just because I figure I get a cheap iPad there. Like, you know they're going to have, like, the cheapest version of the best tech, but... It's true. It's true. If you want to be safe, you just go to, like, Toledo, Ohio, right? Like, nothing fucking happens there. You're like, ah! I don't know. I don't know. That takes us right to what we're talking about today because uh, Milford, New Hampshire sure feels a lot like Toledo, Ohio. I don't know that these little towns are that safe. It's often called the Ohio of the Midwest, or the Ohio of, the, of, of, of New England. <laughs> All right. X-Men Before the Fall, Mutants First Strike, because they can't give us short titles, is written by Steve Orlando, drawn by Valentina Penty, opens uh, with Milford, New Hampshire, struck by a giant aerial strike. Immediately, media coverage blames mutants, and apparently mutant DNA is on the scene to support it. Bishop asks Quiet Council to let him lead a rescue attempt, and everyone but Shaw endorses a rescue mission. A large mutant team bringing Marauders, X-Corp, and heavy hitters like Storm, Cyclops, and Jean Grey, wearing those cool red and white costumes that before now I think we'd only seen in Orlando's X-Men Infinity stories, so cool to see those all show up. Uh, up on the Orcus Bloom, Judas Traveler is monitoring rescue efforts and reveals that his fellow mutants saving the day is all part of his machinations. Tempo, Thea, and Cerebra, as the CSI team, are all able to confirm the mutant DNA on the scene is, like, fake mutant DNA. The Watchdogs, most recently seen in Marauders as well, attack in the name of defending humanity. While rescue efforts continue, that CSI team is able to reconstruct the source of the explosion, and it's a boy who was literally just made to be a bomb. Cyclops and the escort hold off the watchdogs. Jean is shocked to discover that they had no idea it's a false flag attack. Uh, she psychically has them chase their tails so rescue efforts can be left alone. We end up with this like really sweet montage of the sheer scale of the mutants' rescue efforts and their ongoing relief, including ice cream, giving kids free ice cream, and possibly the biggest missed opportunity ever. Joe, I know you'll back me up here. That should have been soft serve. Her just it's squatting awesome. on the tables would have been so much just, better than ice cream. Just making her shitting into a waffle cone <laughs> in front of a, a crowd of horrified children would if have If you want to restore like... faith in the mutants, no one is better than soft serve. Uh, and then <laughs> insisting... So it, it looks like it's going to be this heartwarming ending. The people of Milford are like pushing back on the media narrative and insisting they were helping. But of course, that has to crumble away and we see that the Orcus narrative is bigger than any small town we see the media ignoring like the mayor on the news getting told like no you're wrong it was the mutants and the book ends with a very very happy judas traveler i mean look okay so a soft serve right i just think it's it would be a bad public image when they're trying to rebuild their public image 
No, I, I agree. And it was cool <laughs> to see Ice Cream because I feel like we haven't seen him in forever. I just wanted to give Joe shit because I know he's he's probably the most anti. Uh, uh, it was it was soft serve erasure for sure. <laughs> um, but I'm okay with that. Um, but no, maybe it was a missed opportunity to have a woman shitting into a locker tone <laughs> in front of a horrified seven-year-old. You know, like... I feel like if they really... They really like, want us to buy this narrative, this Orcus narrative, that would have sold it, probably. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, she's just like, sorry you lost your family, kid. You want some ice cream? Like, and then it's just that? Like, it's just kicking the world down. I like this book, and this is... Uh, again, I have really 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 hated steve orlando like wretched wretched um marauders run i thought that was was garbage uh and hard to follow and i really tried to like it and this is like orlando's greatest hits this is him taking all of the toys he's built in the toy box right the x-men uh infinity with the outfits right the, the mutant first responder outfits are the the red i, I love that red cross vibe mm-hmm. that's so cool <laughs> And then the Thunderbird references, both at the end when you have, uh, like, Dr. Werewolf MD, that was, like, the evil, like, werewolf from X-Force, like, from, yeah. like, way back in the 90s, right? Like, and all of the stuff he's done, and you have, like, the stupid, like, time primordial mutants. What, what was the name of that stupid place? Oh, uh, uh, I, I had it, and I ended up taking it out of my summary because I wanted it to be a short summary, but what were they called? Ah, yeah. some right, right. The, the forecast, like, <laughs> right? The, the the fucking like, which I was like, okay, because I wasn't realizing this in Orlando book when I read it. So I'm like, I was looking forward to just thinking about all of those mutants and never thinking about them again. Like that was all a collective like ether fever that the mutants had. Like, oh, like we were just huffing paint in the back of the Marauder, and we had this whole dream about this whole thing and that was wasn't that great but no i really liked it though this was a good this was a good book i enjoyed this a lot more than any of the marauders issues and i do think this is soft confirmation that all of these before the fall one shots are really just epilogues to the books that are ending because yeah which is fine i can live with that yeah no i i really enjoyed this issue as well um me as a somewhat shamed orlando defender for his work on midnighter uh this is more indication with what i expect out of him after falling in love with his midnighter run uh so that that made me feel good but i also i just loved seeing so many different mutants doing so many different things i'm thinking this might be like a record for the last few years this has to be the most packed like cameo filled issue we've gotten in a while i don't remember a time we've had this many pop-ins this was great triage yeah. Triage yeah. is the real surprise to see because you never see triage at all. You know, he elixir just had his lunch, right? Elixir <laughs> ate his lunch and enjoyed it, and we never saw triage ever again. And yeah. here he is, right? So that's a Bendis X Men special uh, that I really liked, but I think that the narrative is so strong, uh, and and. I had an interaction on Twitter that I think deserves mentioning. When you were like, oh, do you want to talk about this book? I'm like, I really wanted to talk about this interaction I had on Twitter with this idiot. Because these these fucking mouth breathers. Right? So like Screen Rant, Screen Rant wrote this thing like the X-Men are evil, right? And it shows like the immortal X-Men, like the Quiet Council, like Celine showing up and being like, ha I love blood and you know, whatever, right? Like Celine being awesome. And like, um, they were like, 
you know, oh, the X-Men are evil the whole time. The Quiet Council's corrupt. And then it's like, these fucking chuckle fucks are like, I told you that X-Men are evil the whole time. This fucking Krakoa thing's going to end any minute. And it's like, then Orlando writes this, this book, which is all about having a bad faith case and the like gullible people who really will buy into like the first bad faith case about these events like and it's this great meta commentary about that uh and that came out the same day and these idiots just totally fucking missed it right um and like and and it's great because the reality of the situation is the mutants help right the mutants are helping the mutants are here to help they do everything they can right they rebuild the whole town they everything and um and and the 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 media is still like fox newsing it they're like oh dude, look what they did like despite and it's such a good commentary because if you go on the ugly sides of Twitter, you still see those people who hate the Krakoan era, who only watch the '90s cartoon and want to bitch about it, and uh, and like they don't they don't know the substance of the issues that they're talking about. And I, I think that's really, really fucking good commentary to happen on the same day Immortal came out. So, Joe, you brought up Thunderbird. I really hope that this means we're going to get another one shot by. Uh... Nyla Rose. Yes, Let's I get a second Nyla Rose one shot. Because, yeah, Nyla did such a good job with that first one. I'd love to see some more of that. I would like to see other AEW wrestlers get a shot at uh, doing um, various Marvel characters as good as Nyla Rose did. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I want to see, like, I don't know. Let's say... what? Let's do a solo, uh, like, MJF writes... <laughs> fucking mr sinister or no. you know like <laughs> you know who i i know has written little pieces AEW in, in danhausen i want to see danhausen writing something in the x-men mythos i think he would rock it he's written he wrote like a short horror story last year that was in one of those anthologies that was really fun so not like a marvel anthology but one of the like right, indie right. anthologies but I think he's got the chops for it. Uh, we know CM Punk has written Marvel comics in the past, so yeah, I get I, cool. I guess he's technically still <laughs> he's an AEW star. Sucks. They're yeah, building like, a show <laughs> around his ass, so yeah, fuck that guy. Uh... <laughs> fuck that oh, guy. Man. I don't. I mean, I God, who would I want? I don't know about how many of them are actually good writers or not, but. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you can have more faith in AEW. Like, they're at least writing their own promos to an extent. That is very true. Um, Malachi Black would probably write a really good, again, Halloween themed, but you you know, something in the darker realm. That that dude, he's built his stuff all around his knowledge of obscure mythologies and stuff. Like, that's that'd be good. Excellent for store. I would like to see his wife, who's not an AEW wrestler, write a bunch of stuff because she's like a big weeb. So, like, you know, she's got. (laughs) Right, like cool. Zelina Vega's got Zelina Vega's a, a class weeb, you know. WWE's loosening their strings too, so she'd probably be allowed to if she wanted to write something. It's true they have a feel with Twitch coming up yeah. so that they can do Twitch again, which is, uh, I guess I'm not a big Twitch guy. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a little old and cranky for that. Like watching <laughs> all the people play video games. Why would I want it? Like I'm, I'm, I'm a get off my lawn moment right there. I don't wanna. So, but what else about this issue? I enjoy the these damn mutants taking our jobs, uh, <laughs> Lodge Dogs, like which is another pull for Orlando. Orlando is like, man, he is he's good at pulling like deep out of Marvel mythos, 
right? Yeah, because this iteration of them were was in one one of his middle issues of Marauders, but they were originally like an old Captain America villain, right? Where mm-hmm. they were originated, yeah. Yeah, and again, they're very much the South Park hillbillies that are like, they took our jobs, right? Like, what, like, in the Marvel, and I feel like that is, again, really, really, it's, it's very prescient for the times we live in, obviously, right? Like, but I, I love how absolutely ridiculous they are, like, with his, like, like hover mobility scooter and his American flag, like, ascot, you know, like, <laughs> just, just, just perfect. Um, it was a, 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 a banger of a Steve Orlando issue, and again, it's like, if you ignore his Marauders run, and you ignore him fucking up X-Men Green, um, which he butchered X-Men Green, by the way, yeah. he really fucked that up. But he only did stick the landing. It was, it was, Green has had its highs and its lows. <laughs> yeah, it's had its lows when Steve Orlando showed up and fucked it up, right? Like, as a before, it was like, oh, it's a funny book, you know, like, yeah. with Sauron, and, like, she's got, like, a dog and Kurtz, and they get on wacky fucking adventures, and then, like, Steve Orlando's like, what if we kill the dog right away um, <laughs> and fucking get rid of Sauron, and we just make her, like, a mustache-twirling villain, like, right? Like, it's like, that sucks. Like, all right. But Thunderbird was great, so it's like, well, all right, he's going 50-50, you know, I guess, you know, he's batting 500, what can you do? Check his notes while I revel in the fact that Benjamin Percy is writing X-Men, uh, Wolverine, and the Predator. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, I was gonna, we were gonna do the new section, uh, just Keegan and I, but let's talk about him writing Wolverine, Wolverine? five-issue mini in September. <laughs> Versus the fucking Predator. How are you mad about that? That's I'm the not, fucking I'm best. I'm not, I'm not mad I have to read. So here's here's my worry. Here's my, least, my least favorite thing he's written was X-Lives and Deads because, you know, it was a decade-spanning adventure. And that's mm. what they described this as. It's going to span decades of these two fighting each other. And that, that to me, sounds terrible. That sounds like a... The part that makes me mad is that Benjamin Percy has now got Rod suffering under the delusion that I'm going to read that damn book, which I hate. <laughs> you are. I, you are. My God. It's, it's drawn. Okay. 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 Okay, guys. Okay. It's drawn by Greg Land, the porno tracing guy, right? Famous for ripping off all of his shit by just tracing porno. It's going to be just like throbbing cock in the wilderness. Okay, how, like, how, like how big is the predator's bulge going to have to be? <laughs> throbbing alien cock and like just homoerotic nonsense in the fucking deep forest of Canada. It's going to be fucking great. This like, is where I was going to say, hey, Joe, would you like the last word to plug your stuff? But I feel like, I feel like you just plugged something. Throbbing alien cock. That's where you can find me. Wherever there be throbbing alien cock on the internet is where Joe of X will be. Uh, tune in. But also, for real, Joe of X on TikTok and Twitter, right? Uh, TikTok, Joe of X. On Twitter uh, is my real name, Joe Blauberg. Uh, you, you can go. find me there. Uh, Check him yeah. out. He does really fun voiceovers on his TikTok, yeah. and his Twitter is a lot of just good takes when he... You don't use it as much, I feel like, but when you when you do make a tweet, it's always pretty apt. And I will say, any time that anyone is fighting with Screen Rant is a good day because they're a bunch of schmucks over there at Screen Rant. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Fuck those guys. Oh, my God. Like, how do you get, like, I don't understand how it's like Screen Rant is like, it's writing to people who like comic books who just had a seizure, it's, right? It, like, it, that's... 
it's a, it's a penny a word, man. That's all it is. <laughs> is it right? Like, just bragging it out. Like, it's the lowest common denominator. It's like every time I read it, I feel like I just got a concussion. Every Scream Rant fucking article. Like, anyway, uh, follow me uh, uh, on TikTok <laughs> or wherever Benjamin Percy is writing about throbbing alien cock in the wilderness. <laughs> um, Keegan, I'm going to go get another Capri Sun before we switch. Thanks for coming on, Joe. Yeah, we no appreciate problem. it. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you later. do 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 x-men crossover whereas the last couple were just like emma showed up as a cameo for dugan to really prove that to prove that he's writing both books and yet it didn't have any like x-men characters in it Mm -hmm. uh so this was the story of after everything we've already seen with fei long taking over stark industries and turning them into sentinels and we're starting to see the actual sentinel show up in other books uh tony recruits roadie to go actually investigate the one of the stark unlimited bases where they're they're building the sentinels and you see iron man walk up and threaten the guards and they're like you don't work here anymore he's like you're gonna get out of my way he blasts the hole in and he goes in and tells all of the workers to leave and makes a big scene and then the sentinels activate chase iron man off and then it's revealed that the iron man we saw was roadie wearing the iron man armor and Tony's inside in a stealth armor, and he does some sleuthing, steals some data, uh, and then also fights some Sentinels. So then they're both brawling with them. Tony's like, all right, let's get out of here. And Rhodey ends up uh, captured, but Tony gets away. And so Tony, or, so then we see Phalong, Nimrod, and Dr. Stasis, like our favorite trio. The next day, like, investigating, and uh, Stasis is like, oh, no, how many of our Sentinels are destroyed? And Phalong's like, well, we won't be able to take all the superhumans on the night of the gala, but we'll still be able to make a good dent, and then we'll clean up the rest. And uh, so it's, and you know what? It's a good thing that we caught him, because now our the information about us taking out all the superhumans isn't going to get out there. So then it cuts to finding out that, oh, and then they kill one of the employees who happens to be standing there. Just mur- like Nimrod just murders his ass. And then we see that Tony did get out with the data. And he's like, oh, I got to call She-Hulk and let her know that they're, they're not just coming for the mutants. They're coming for everyone. And then She-Hulk answers the phone. And she's like, I don't have time, Tony. Uh, Rhodey's been arrested. And he's like, yeah, but you're going to get him out, right? And she's like, uh, they're not putting up bail. They found a body, Tony. And Tony's like, oh no, my friend's been accused of Moira. And then he gets all mad and he starts beating up his own armor and gets bloody fists. And that's that's the end of the issue. So, you know how I talk about, like, I like I like Dugan when he's writing, like, sci-fi antics. And a lot of times his, his portrayal of soap operas I don't enjoy as much. But the him and Rhodey, like, like Tony's inner conflicts and stuff, I think are a really kind of bland portrayal here. I am liking the tree, the the Phelong, Nimrod, Stasis, uh, Modok, 
kind of like that whole little like the collaborating Orcus characters that he's really focusing on. Yeah, like they're I, they're 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 fun to read. Yeah, I I enjoy them a lot. I I wish we could think of like a good parallel that's not like Squat and Babu, uh, but I like them a yeah. lot. Yeah, it's a, an enjoyable a, thing and. Yeah, I was going to say, it was a trio we were originally thinking, but we've only seen MODOK in the last X-Men issue, and we're seeing Fei Long a lot more. We saw him in both Dugan issues this week, so I think Quartet's a good way to put it, or maybe the true trio is Stasis Nimrod, Fei Long, and MODOK was more of a cameo. I don't, I, I don't really know, but I'm enjoying that little brain trust. It's really fun to read. We only got a page of them here. Uh, I, I don't know. Iron Man's not not a great read, but it is getting really clear. It really is going to be a heavy part of Fall of X. So we'll keep reporting it back to you guys. And I don't know. We're going to. I'm really curious to see how interconnected the Fall of X like, threads are. Like, it's clear everyone is going to be dealing with mutant kind basically getting in the worst position they've ever been. Just like everything's going wrong. But it kind of feels like. Immortal is got one thread happening. Red is gonna have the apocalypse stuff going, and then Dugan's books are specifically the Fang Long stuff. And well, they'll kind of intermingle in that they're all happening at the same time. I don't know how much like they're gonna relate to each other. I, it might just be all of this bad shit like happening all at the same time. I don't know. It, it might end up being one of those things where it's like um, any one of these things the mutants could survive. Right, but all three. At it's once the weight of all of it happening at once. That yeah, exactly. Me. It's too much to bear, and that's why you know whatever X is falls. Yeah, I think that's that's a good call. Deadpool, batter blood. It happened. It exists. Uh, so Rob Liefeld likes to come back and write Deadpool every few years because he'll never let anyone forget he created the character. I, I don't know that. <laughs> copying and pasting Deathstroke and making him meta is like that big of an accomplishment. I feel like what makes Deadpool resonate with people is on the shoulders of guys like Joe Kelly and uh, Fabian Nikiza and the other writers who have uh, even Jerry Dugan, like he, that's how he got his start was writing with Brian Fussain, writing a really long really loved Deadpool run. It wasn't my favorite, but there are a lot of writers that have contributed to why Deadpool is as iconic as he is, and I don't know that it's it's Mr. Liefeld. This issue was whatever. I... As much as I'm loving Alyssa Wong's Deadpool, I am equally as uninterested in this book. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it... It's the Rob Liefeld. You know, it's like... uh, you know, the big meaty men slapping meat of comics. I think this is it for Shark Week. Shark Girl I Week. I think this is the end of Shark Week. So, thank I, I can't drop enough thank yous for this. Thank you, Keegan, for humoring me. I, we missed, uh, first it was stuff in my personal life, and then it was yours to an extent. But between the two of us, we missed an entire month. It actually ended up being five weeks in the end. And so this was my crazy idea for, hey, before my twins are born, what if we don't just catch up by doing really short conversations, but we actually release an episode a day and we make it a big deal and you signed on. And then I kept making it a 
bigger project like this blowout episode where i made you sit down with a different guest for each book you were so game for it all so thank you my friend this has been it's been a blast of a week like it's it's been been hectic it's been hectic it's been crazy uh it's been non-stop but it's been a fun experience and kind of like a fun experiment in podcasting. It's been a blast and it's kind of been, I don't want to say a last hurrah because we're going to keep the, we're going to keep up as much as we can, but we're recording this last episode. I have 11 days until my twins are born. So there, this was really our last chance to do something on this scale. Well, we're going to try to get our normal episodes out. I think extra episodes, bonus episodes, those are all falling by the wayside for two months. So cramming this in and getting as much FaceTime with you as I have and getting to interact with our audience as much as we have has been amazing. Absolutely. I, I've loved it. Um, I've loved interacting with everyone, especially on the discords as we've been doing this. Yep. Uh, it's been quite interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, especially with you, you about to be uh, a dad thrice over. Uh, I am now working at a school that's about to start a year round schedule. So I have like oh. three weeks left of summer. Um, this is news to me. You had not yeah. dropped this one on me yet. Yeah. I didn't uh, know you were going to. So do you get more breaks throughout the year? Yes. Uh, okay. It's it's like a shorter summer, but now all of our other breaks, like spring and fall are two weeks long. Uh, that is sick. My, my first day of work is July 12th. That is, is that an all of Arizona thing, or is that just this school you just this happen to? That I'm going wow, to. I didn't know anyone was exploring a model like that. I'm fascinated. Yeah. Yeah, uh, here so, in California, they wouldn't do that because they refuse to pay for air conditioning like that. <laughs> I'll see. In Arizona, we have no choice but to have air conditioning all year. So <laughs> that is fair. I can't, I can't end the thank yous there. Like, I got to thank everyone who's on the show today. Thank you, Shay. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Joe. And thank you, Meg. It was so great hearing from all of you. Uh, thank you to everyone who jumped in on the questions. Thank you to everyone who jumped in and watched every episode. I know it was a lot of content. Uh, if you're catching up and it's been a few days, we still appreciate you just as much. Thank you to everyone who checked out the merch shop. And if somehow you want Shark Girl Week stuff and you're seeing this the day the episode comes out, you have until midnight. I'm taking it down at midnight and probably about the time our next episode drops the the next wave of stuff will hopefully be coming out and yeah keegan any other it, it's been an absolute blast and yeah i also i want to echo the thanks to everybody to everyone in the discord to all of the guests you guys have been fabulous thank you so much for working with us uh it's been great until next time remember Soft serve over ice cream. Certain. <laughs> now, through the magic of time travel, you're going to see one of our guests. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm now going to edit you going in between each one. <laughs>